0: If talking about new travel destinations or discovering the latest travel gadgets gets your heart racing just like mine, well then, you are in the right place. Hello there, I'm Katrina Rowntree and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Come, our podcast about the wonders of travel, a place where we share memories from recent trips and we dream about upcoming adventures. So get your passports ready and join me for Journeys to Come. Hello there, welcome to our Journeys to Come podcast. I hope your travels are treating you well. You know that for me, as I'm on my travels, I tend to meet some pretty interesting people and just recently, I was filming in the Hunter Valley, and I was so inspired by this woman called Lisa Morgan that I said, can I just sit down and have, have 10 minutes of your time and you can share your story with me and share maybe some of your business tips. You see, Lisa, when she was a teenager, met a, a hot farmer, can't say I can wait to that, at uni. And his name was Andrew, and he took her back to the family farm, which was a horse paddock. And she was so in love with this guy, she knew their future was together, and she thought, I need to, I need to teach myself, I need to fit in, I need to find something to do. And so she did. And from that horse paddock, Lisa, along with her, her beautiful and talented winemaking husband, they have created an award-winning winery. Vineyards, cellar door and restaurant and it's based in Embroke, the most beautiful part of the Hunter Valley. Gee, she's got a story. Geez, I found her inspiring. Why don't we chat to Lisa Morgan? Enjoy. Life has brought me to the Hunter Valley wine region this week and I'm I'm meeting so many lovely people and even though the Hunter Valley is famous around the world for its wine and produce as well it's interesting to come here and and see the origins and and meet the people that um, have started from grassroots literally and created this incredible success story and i'm here today with lisa margan whose whose property margan has won all sorts of awards but uh, i think you might like to hear her story lisa thank you so much for joining us tell us what happened when you're at a a university bar when you're a teenager
1: Oh, where did you hear that? (laughs) Uh, Nice to have you here, Katrina. Um, I met my husband. He's a winemaker. So when you marry a winemaker, you get dragged to um, a rural region. So that sounds like a delightful green change moment that is a decisive uh, step sometimes but when it's 30 years ago it it wasn't as glamorous so i did literally come kicking and screaming because you throw in your day job leave your mates leave all the the luxe lifestyle elements of a city like sydney and you come to well paddocks really what
0: greeted you when when you arrived here in this region we see today um uh, an, an acre of a kitchen garden, hundreds of acres of vines, and an award-winning restaurant. What greeted you 30 years ago?
1: Mm, no, 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 just a paddock, really. <laughs> a paddock um, and, and a vision. Well, actually, back then, not a vision. So I, when I moved to the region, I then decided that I'd always wanted to be a chef. That's actually... Oh, yeah. Quite a pioneering thing for females. 30 years ago, not many females in kitchens. So I made the decision after a uni degree to retrain as a chef, so inclusive of being a little apprentice and going to TAFE. So that was a thing, but I trained with um, renowned French chef Robert Molinaise, who has bistro Molinaise now, Mm. still in the valley, still on the tools. Um, So I retrained with him. I thought if I'm going to make this backward step, I'm going to like go with the best, hitch my wagon to the best. So he trained me. We then, um, my husband and I, had the opportunity to move to France two years after that. How fabulous! How fabulous. So we moved to Bordeaux and we lived there for three years. So um, I cooked. Cooked in a Michelin star restaurant and I was also a private chef in a chateau, a beautiful wine chateau in Bordeaux and he made wine. So that was actually such a formative thing for both of our careers because wine tourism back then wasn't necessarily a thing in Australia but I saw a vision, we both saw a vision of what could be. So after our stint there, we do. I do just want to
0: ask you about Bordeaux because we've we've been there quite a few times. I understand and respect that is the epicentre, really, of of wine in the world, and, and, and as you did, a lot of people will go there for inspiration, to learn. What did it teach you? Centuries of winemaking. It's it's got um, uh, the Wine Museum now. Um, What did living there teach you?
1: It basically, for me, from a food perspective, France in particular taught me about respect for produce. So, so much of the produce that I was seeing there had not come to Australia. Um, We get everything now, so we're very blessed now. But 30 years ago, that was not a thing really. Mm. So it taught me respect for produce. So I was just blown away by the the range of produce that you could access and also the respect um, given to it. So the provenance of your food was a thing that I learned way back then. You know, these asparagus have come from this particular region, this particular farmer. Um, they're in season for four weeks of the year, get on board now. So we've lost a little bit of that in modern-day Australia because uh, we kind of loosely love to use the word seasonal, but we don't don't run with that because we can get produce more or less 24-7 all year round. But it's flown in from there and it's grown from there. It's not from where you live. So here, what we do at Margin, I've really tapped into that seasonal and local produce thing And as you will see going out in our margain garden today, we've just had four weeks of our asparagus. We have so, so much fun with it when we have it. Our guests look forward to coming in October because they know that's when our asparagus is. And you know what? They have to wait a whole year to get it again. And that's what we should be doing because there is no carbon footprint from that. We like to say 20 muddy steps from our kitchen garden to our restaurant. It's not shipped anywhere. We pick it at perfect ripeness. It doesn't have to sit in refrigerated storage areas, transported around and around. It's just from there. We pick it in the morning. It's on your plate three hours later. That's what I love, and that's what France taught me.
0: Want more travel in your day? Well, then. Join us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Journeys to Come and follow us. And while you're there, hey, how about you share your own travel pics and stories with the hashtag Journeys to Come. We talked about the original paddocks. For those that don't know about Margan, could you describe, paint the picture, what you've got here today?
1: Okay, so today what we have, so we're fast-forwarding 22 years. So after France, we came back, uh, did a couple of other things, and then launched market in 1997. So when I say a couple of other things, I went back to uni, did my master's degree in nutrition, in organic food production. So that informs the garden. So that's my background, and I think at that point I thought now I'm jack of too many trades and master of none but it's kind of come full circle because we run that garden with organic and biodynamic principles and we are fully certified as a business for our environmental stewardship so all of that has kind of informed what we've got now how'd you get the time to do that Uh, I don't know I remember typing (laughs) out my thesis five days after having my second child seriously so I don't know the answer to that. I think I was young and energetic, so I'm slowing down a little bit now. Really? <laughs> Could have fooled me. Yeah. I've got a great team now. Um, so, Morgan, what does it look like? 100 hectares of our own vineyard. Beautiful, mainly old vines. Uh, it looks like the one-acre kitchen garden, which we established 13 years ago. Orchard, free-range chickens, beehives, olive groves, and um, our own estate, Red Sheep. So that's our state-grown produce. We produce about twenty five, thirty thousand 30,000 cases of wine per year and we send that to about 15 export destinations and then throughout Australia as well.
0: In regards to tourism, you touched on the word provenance mm-hmm. and we were having a chat earlier to say that is such a buzzword right now in tourism, mm-hmm. isn't it?
1: Correct. It is. People really legitimately want to be better connected to their food. So once upon a time that was just something that greenies tapped into but the average person really wants to know where their food comes from and what we offer here and what makes us stand out is that you can dine in the restaurant or try our wines and just wander out 100 meters and walk through that garden and Mm. you can see what a potato plant looks like you can see the chickens roaming around you can see those trees in the orchard Uh, you can see the vines and that you're connected to your food so in our restaurant You can have what we call our 100-metre meal, which we kind of pioneered about 10 years ago. And on that plate, everything, and I mean everything, is produced from about 100 metres of where you sit and then whatever is in your wine glass as well. So that's kind of cool, and I don't think many other places can offer that.
0: I don't know if you're going to slap me for asking (laughs) you this. Would you ever consider accommodation, or is it just... Well
1: no, all the time, I flag it all the time, really? and uh, people ask all the time and it would go it would go gangbusters. my husband because we live on this property, and he likes the solitude as well of you know, peace and quiet, walking through his vines and he's like, you know what's going to happen? They're going to ring at 2am and say we've run out of toilet paper or can't get Netflix up or... That's his nightmare. Right. But I can tell you, Katrina, it's going to happen. We're going to do Maybe it. Maybe
0: with your second husband.
1: Ah, that's right. <laughs> I'll flag that. We're, we're in my vision, and I, I am creative and a visionary, um, the walls that you can see here for Margan and Restaurant um, and Cellar Door mm. all rammed earth. So I'm going to do... It will happen. I'm going to do amazing, rammed earth, gorgeous accommodation.
0: I'm so sorry for bringing that idea. <laughs> I can tell it's going to happen. It's so gonna I, I apologise now to your husband, Andrew.
1: Yeah, what
0: happen. is it like working with your husband, Andrew?
1: Um, well, we're, we're currently sitting in his office. I have oh. my own. So we, we start with that, separate offices. Um, he's across viticultural and winemaking operations, and I'm across the restaurant cellar door marketing uh, so we have completely separate job descriptions so we get veto power in our areas so usually we're on the same page we'll have our morning coffee meeting at the house so we make sure that we kind of get on the same page Mm. for when we meet with our team otherwise it turns into a husband-wife thing and then they feel all awkward and they have to leave the room and say, like, OK, oh. we'll leave you to that argument of, no, that's not happening. No, I think it's more like this. Yeah, so we get on the same page before we share that with the team.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I have to admit I love romance novels mm-hmm. and I've read a few that are set amongst the vineyards. It, like, is, there, is it you know, romantic at all, living and working
1: here and being with Andrew? It, it is romantic. Um, there's nothing more that we prefer than... Our afternoon walks through the vineyard, and we'll do we'll do that every evening. Um, winter, it's a bare vineyard, but it's stark and beautiful and cold. And summer, it's gorgeous with green vines. Um, we have roses planted up and down the driveways. So sometimes it's a very long walk because I've got to, <gasps> I have to pick that one. Oh, I have to pick that one. But it is romantic. It's, yeah. It's a blessing, and we look uh, overlook the mountain. Uh, the mountain range behind us is the broken Back Range, which runs right through into Picopin. Gorgeous! Mm. It's gorgeous. It's idyllic. And you know what? We just, we see nobody when everyone's off this property. Not that we don't like mm. people. We love our guests, mm. but we also like to look at nature and feel quite connected. So, um, having said that, the romance around being a wine producer is farming and is hard work. So. People get a little confused that it's all about walking around drinking Chardonnay. It's, it's not that. <laughs> it's not that. It's a little bit of that. Yeah.
0: You mentioned that you, I, I haven't even asked you about your children, but I, you, you said your second child. Yeah. Um, how do your children fit into the picture? How's that all that, all that work?
1: Yeah, interesting. Um, so our three kids are all at uni now, three now, yep. three now uh, all at uni. Uh, eldest one is in Adelaide just finishing a double degree in viticulture winemaking. Wow. But he's very... The dynasty begins. Oh, well, that's right. So there's chat around that. Um, But he's very involved in bars and restaurants. So he's actually launched his own bar, his second one. Last year, he's Barman of the Year. He's Beam Suntory's brand ambassador. So he's actually on fire. Wow in the hospitality aspect of winemaking, on fire. So it's it's funny, we were recently uh, in a restaurant um, last year and he joined uh, family dinner. And the booking the booking was under Margin, the sommelier serving us um, partway through the dinner or almost towards the end. He's listening to Ollie, who's just been flown back from New York, for winning this barman of the year he was on the cover of all the bar magazines so anyway we're all three quarters of the way through our dinner and this barman said I'm so sorry I didn't connect the the reservation name I'm, I'm really sorry here is a round of drinks on the house so he's VIPing us retrospectively so Andrew goes to say oh that's okay no problem and he said of course Ollie Morgan you've been on the cover of every bar magazine so There you go. There's the second generation who trumped the first generation.
0: Pretty exciting, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Daughter's in Sydney and she's just finishing uni as well, doing business, communications degree. Um, But she comes home every year and does the vintage. That's when we make wine. Mm -hmm. And she works at a two-headed restaurant in Sydney as a junior sommelier. So right into her wine. And then youngest one is at Sydney Uni doing business rugby and fun in some order.
0: I like his style.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so he's, yeah, all three of them make signs and noises about wanting to, at some point, join the family business. That's a
0: blessing because not a lot of um, parents are able to say that. You're, mm. you're very fortunate. Um, I know that you've also won a lot of awards as, as a businesswoman. Once again, uh, for, for everything that you've created here, I suppose I just have to, to ask you, what is your, your advice to those that are, are possibly thinking about getting into wine tourism or even creating their own space?
1: Um, it's very much like, like anything in business because it's a very crowded market. Whatever market you're in, it's, it's all crowded. Um, work out what's unique. And um, I once heard from somebody else in, in regards to working out what your unique selling point is, and they said, think about it this way. Who would miss you if you weren't here? And what would they miss about it? So it's a really interesting question to pose because it does help you identify really what is unique because as a restaurant, it's not unique to say, we do great food and we like to look after our guests. Pretty sure most restaurants at our level at had a restaurant level would have the same kind of goals. So for us, what is unique about us is this connection with provenance, this estate grown, estate made connection with growing our food um, and getting it onto the plate also um, looking after our guests beautifully but creating a a destination dining environment is what we do and we do it really well so yeah work out what's special about what you're offering and then you just market that and you won't be all things to all people but you'll just market that niche yeah
0: who knew that those two years spent in Bordeaux who Hmm. knew going back doing that studying would all come to getaway coming to film you today
1: (laughs) Who knew? And in fact, I get asked that question a lot. And I think that if there was a crystal ball back then, I would have gazed in it and dropped it and said, I am not signing up to that. There is no way in the world. And, you know, by stealth, we have this business. Clearly, we have 30 amazing people that work in this business who are passionate about our vision. And that's careful recruitment to get the right people on board who passionately believe in our goals and business values. And, and share that, otherwise, here, yeah, there's no way.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're making lunch today, sourced from the garden. Mm-hmm. What wine should I choose to go with? I think we're having asparagus gnocchi. What wine oh, would you select for gorgeous.
1: me? Okay, so Hunter Valley is um, uh, does semillon very well. So we've got young and um, mature styles of that. But a really good Chardonnay is delicious, and Marg can do a beautiful limited um, edition Chardonnay. So w- whatever. It's
0: going to be a good day, Lisa. It is.
1: And we do a really nice rose, which works very well with that dish. I as had well. that
0: last night at the Delicious. pub. I think I might have that one again today, Beautiful. too. Go with that. Well done, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you, you are a dead set legend. Thank you. <laughs> Great to have you. <laughs> well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journeys to Come. If you want any more information on the places that we visited, all the people we spoke to, then visit our website, journeystocome.com, for full details.